Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. When you talk about the stock market, it's a good bet you're talking about U.S. stocks. Well, Zach Horn is with me, Patrice Sikora, to talk about other overseas options that can be used to diversify your portfolio. Zach, why don't we start out with the difference between established and emerging markets? Sure. Thank you, Patrice. So investing often does tend to fall back to thinking of stock investments, of course, but then also U.S. stock investments. So we like to talk about diversifying, a word that has been heard probably hundreds of times in our podcasts that we have produced. And I'll talk about it quite a bit today. But to your question, international investing includes investing in other countries, companies in other countries, both established and emerging economies and established markets like Japan, the UK, things like that are more likened to US stocks, more stable, well-established and emerging markets coming from smaller, more growth-oriented economies. Oftentimes that's thought of as the BRIC countries, B-R-I-C, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. And these emerging economies have more risk to them inherently, but also more growth opportunity and potentially greater returns. So those are the different types of international investments in the stock market that we think of. Now, historically, I'm sure everybody wants to know who did the best, who performed the best. So historically, which markets seem to show off, to show up a bit more better? Yeah. So whenever I have a conversation about international stock investing, it certainly does come down to what's the benefit? Why do it? And ultimately, what? how can that help my returns or help my portfolio? And so again, diversification is key. I remind clients that it's incredibly important to spread your risk around your investment risk. And I think that's easily understood when you think about it from the perspective of, well, don't just own one company. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, international investing is just saying, don't own one geography. Don't own just US exposure. Because while the United States stock market is quite large, by far the largest globally, it still makes up just a little bit over half of of the global trade. And that means that if you limit yourself to US stocks, you're essentially limiting your opportunity set to half of what's available. So we're big proponents of stock investment for long-term growth. And the US stock market is a big proportion of that for clients and the asset allocation that we help them establish. But again, we want to provide diversification in the form of international exposure so that we can benefit the client portfolio long-term, both in the terms of return, but typically risk-adjusted return. So to your question of which performs better, well, you tell me the time frame, and I'll tell you which one performed better. <laughs> it varies tremendously, but that's the whole point of diversification. If everything you're investing in is moving in the same direction at the same time, you're not diversified. And by being exposed to different markets that perform differently over time, it allows you to get 
I mean, the long-term returns that you want with less volatility or variability, you know, less up and down, a more consistent return pattern. And so I'll share some data about uh, returns and what that has looked like over time that I think will be interesting here in just a minute. But I really do want to hammer home the benefit of having investments that don't move in lockstep at all times, having that diversification. All right. So over the, fa oh, let's say the past 50 years, how have U.S. stocks done? Yeah. So over the last 50 years, U.S. stocks have outperformed somewhere close to 60% of the time. So a 60-40 split, but okay. recently they've outperformed quite a bit. So, you know, if you look at even longer periods, it gets closer to a 50-50 proposition. Now, the important thing is that when U.S. stock markets are not doing very well, we, sent, we tend to see international stock markets do better and outperform. Mm -hmm. Again, the benefit of diversification. So it's um, it's pretty interesting that you can have U.S. stocks and international stocks. And by the way, long-term return expectations are very long-term over the life of the market is pretty similar in the nine to ten percent range. Again, depending on the time frame that you're looking at. So if you've got the same expected outcome long-term, but you compare them together in a way that when one is doing really well. You know, maybe the other is not doing so well, but when one's doing very poorly, the other is helping kind of lift up the total return of the portfolio. Again, that limits the volatility over time. You can get to the same end result of that nine or 10% return, but you never have to see the, the full downside of either one of those markets because you have the other one helping offset the risk. And so that I think, you know, that it tends to get, very much tied to what have you done for me lately? <laughs> and the U.S. stock market has outperformed in a big way lately and a long, over a relatively long period of time. We're talking, you know, the last 12 years, the U.S. stock market has outperformed on an annual basis last year. That was different. The international stock market held up better and by being diversified, helped to hold up portfolios better. So a lot of times people will look at that and say, wow, that's a long time. And why would I, again, why are we investing in, in international stocks when the U S stock markets, you know, been so dominant lately, but then you got to look back at history and remember that there's this ebb and flow of returns. And we can look back as recently as the two thousands and in the investment world, when we're talking long-term investments for retirement and for the duration of people's lives, you know, a 10, 12 year timeframe is not um, that incredibly long. So when we look back just to the early 2000s, we see you know, almost a 10-year stretch of international stock dominance, especially led by emerging market stocks. And and you know people forget that there was that long, lengthy period of time when international stocks were winning by a big margin. And you know at that point in time, I think people were interested more in, in diversifying into international stocks, but I don't think anyone was saying, well, let's get all out. Let's get out of U.S. stocks and go all international because naturally there's this home bias to what we know, to the companies we know, and to the U.S. stock market. And the international stocks are further away, harder to understand, and in countries that we may not know as much about. So so that certainly plays into it too. There's a lot of different biases that we have to 
kind of overcome, just talk people through to really emphasize the long-term value of international investing. Talk to me about emerging markets and, and their returns versus risk. Yeah. So I mentioned the established markets and the emerging markets. And, you know, I would think of it a good way to explain it that is more understandable, again, to those who are more focused on the U.S. stock market, is thinking of large U.S. companies and small U.S. companies. So I would say the established markets are the large U.S. companies, more well-established, blue chip, very stable, less volatility, less ebb and flow to the price. And emerging markets are more like those small companies or newer companies, less established, potentially a lot more room for growth and upside, but also higher risk. Mm -hmm. And so both are appropriate, just like we would say for you know, clients that are investing in U.S. stocks, hey, let's have you know, a meaningful allocation to large, stable U.S. companies, but we also want a, a bit of a smaller amount of those small companies that can provide you know, added growth over time. So when we have an allocation for that includes international stocks, the established international piece is the bigger portion, but emerging markets are important for growth long-term. What kind of a ratio does Foster and Motley have? So there's a lot of different opinions on the mix. I would say that when you talk to most investment professionals, you know, by and large, they all re recommend, suggest that diversification is key and have some right. international exposure. The mix that you should have, I guess it could go as far as saying, well, how much of the world stock market today is made up of US stocks versus other countries and let's match that. And then that would be more like a 60-40 a mix that we, we appreciate the US stock market and some of the things that we can do with, with individual US stocks that give us a little more control and allow us to, to provide some benefit to clients. So we have more of U.S. stock allocation than that. We typically are around the 70-30 mark, 70% mm -hmm. to U.S. stocks and 30 to international. And history shows us that 70-30 mix over the past 65 years is going to produce better risk-adjusted returns than a U.S.-only stock portfolio. So you actually can lower your risk and still get those positive stock returns that you expect by having an appropriate mix of U.S. and international stocks. Tell me about mutual funds, international funds, U.S. funds. Do you still get an international mix in those? So that is a great question. And you know, one of the things that we have the ability to do in-house for our clients is to invest in individual stocks for U.S. stock exposure. And the U.S. stock market is makes it easy to do that. Internationally, you think of all the geographies, there are all the different countries across the globe, and it would be much more difficult to try and go pick individual stocks in those areas. So we do use mutual funds to provide a cost-effective way to get broad diversification against across all of the established international markets or the emerging markets. And we use multiple funds to, again, spread the expectation, the return expectation, the risk around and how we're doing it. And so we do a lot of due diligence on those funds to determine which funds have a good track record of success, obviously, which ones are relatively low cost, 
And, and so that's, you know, part of our job as an investment manager is, is to vet those mutual funds like we would individual stocks or any other investment to put forth the best product that, you know, to hope and to, to try and get the best results for our clients. And so that's, you know, an important aspect of building a portfolio is not only what investments are we taking advantage of, but what tools in the tool belt are we using to get exposure to those investments. Right. How does the U.S. dollar impact the U.S. market? Yeah. So currency risk is a big part of international investing. And there's you know, some opportunity to hedge currency risk, meaning to be agnostic of whether it's U.S. dollar or local denomination for investments, or to tie everything back to the U.S. So there's different ways to look at it then. But really, the hedge of currencies costs money as well. So when you're looking at you know, what you're trying to accomplish, the international exposure is the most important piece. Mm -hmm. And I would say the risk of of currencies and the dollar either strengthening and we or weakening and impacting the you know global economies and the the global investments is, is secondary, but something that we take a look at as well. But you know when we're looking at U.S. stocks and international stocks, it really is just getting a a breadth of investment that is spread around among different types of companies, different sectors of companies and the different geographies as well. And, you know, as I mentioned, the numbers speak for themselves that you have a better likelihood of risk-adjusted returns falling in line with what you're trying to accomplish over the long haul when you take that diversified approach. And, you know, I'll add a few more stats in here to try and drive home the importance of international investing, even in the face of recent outperformance. So when we look at the last... 12 or 13 years, as I mentioned, it's been U.S. dominant as far as stock performance is concerned. But I also then mentioned the 2000s when, was, when it was the other way around. Mm -hmm. Another important stat in there is that over the last 50 years, the international stock market has outperformed the U.S. stock market 100% of the time when U.S. returns were less than 4%. When U.S. returns were less than six percent, international stocks outperformed, you know, ninety-four percent of the time. So again, when U.S. stock markets don't have a great year, which we know happens from time to time, typically that international exposure will be there to help your overall returns and you know reduce that downside risk. All right. Well, you've certainly given us an argument for diversification. No, no problem there. But is there anything we have not touched on you think we should? Yeah, I think it's important also to note that the best time to invest in international stocks is after a long run of U.S. stock outperformance. <laughs> I mean, frankly, U.S. stocks look expensive right now, especially compared to international stocks. And it's not to say that there's not risks out there in the global economies. It certainly is just as risky as the US economy at this point in time, if not more so in many areas. But again, we're investing in dozens of countries, not just a few other countries. And actually the US stock market, even though as compared to the international stock market collectively has outperformed over the last you know, 12 of the last 13 years, the US stock market itself 
has not been the highest performing stock market each and every year. In fact, you know, it hasn't oftentimes because there'll be other countries that have, you know, better performance, but then they're, you know, paired in conjunction with the other in, economies in the global investing world that on average have lagged the US market. So again, spreading that risk around, having a diversified portfolio, being invested in some international stocks is going to be to the advantage of the investor long-term. Zach, this is a great conversation. And if somebody wants to continue it with you, how can they reach you? They can check us out at www.fosterandmotley.com. And listeners, follow or subscribe to Foster and Motley's podcast about wealth and life for more insights into life's financial questions. And please share the podcast with others. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Keep in mind that rules and regulations are subject to change. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.